Hello, and welcome to another episode of Divided State Citizens. I have been, and still am, Michael Weil. And I may be, Henry Simon. Welcome. It is a lovely Friday late afternoon on... Eh. It's on a day. It's on a day. The recording has been a, a, a few days in the making, but thank you for hanging on with us. And thank you for finishing my sentence, as I forgot words. I'm always here to do that for you. There's a lot that's been going on, but I say that every time. So what's going on with you? Uh, what's going on with me is just regular life things. Living and loving. Living and loving. I actually am going to start doing uh, some work for uh, my local congressman, Joe Crowley. Uh, so we're actually coming up towards the primary seasons uh, for local elections. Uh, I know the one in New York, I believe, is in June, the June 20s. Uh, so definitely, anyone who's listening, make sure that you're starting to read up on things that are going on in your local primaries as that's really where all of these elections get decided, especially in states like New York that are usually going to go Democrat. The person who wins the primary is often who will win the seat. So make sure you're paying attention and go vote in June when all these primaries happen. And just real quickly, what's that um, Powhatan thing you've been doing in Queens? Yeah, I'm also part of my local Democrat club called Powhatan. Uh, they have monthly meetings. It's uh, wages to meet like-minded people who are trying to help out their community, also talk politics. Uh, there's debate night, so it's just a good way to get involved. Most communities do have uh, local Democrat clubs. I know in New York City, every single borough has one of their own. How would someone get involved? Should they just like look online or something? Yeah, if you go ahead and just Google Democrat club near me. I know in Astoria, if you de- Googled Democrat club in Astoria, you would find the Powhatan listing. So uh, that would be one easy way to find it. So if you're trying to learn For more, the get more involved. Community. <laughs> yeah. For the Astoria community, feel free to reach out to me and I can help you uh, get introduced. But if you're just looking to get more involved and find a place to really learn what's going on with your local primaries, uh, it's a good. these clubs are a good way for uh, the candidates to find people who are willing to go canvas for them. So it's a good chance to actually meet uh, and know your local elected officials. It all happens locally. Happens at that local level, am I right, Henry? Uh, you are right, Michael. I got, a, I got a question for you. What's going on? So a lot, a lot, a lot is going on. But I feel like a lot has happened previously. So yeah, I, I feel like we always forget things. So what do you think? Maybe we've forgotten with everything that's going on in the past few months. So that's a really good question, and I actually just thought of something when you were asking me that question because things are happening in a lightning you know, level speed here, we often forget about a lot of the things that we were angry about at one point, which I think is pretty bad. Well, I think it's, it's mainly bad because we need to remember a lot of these things that are happening so that they don't happen again. Um, someone who I follow on Twitter and I, I really believe she's doing great work. Her name is Amy Siskind, S-I-S-K-I-N-D. Um, you can look her up. She, um, just to give you like a really brief, summary of of what she is. She's the president of the new agenda. She's an advocate for women's LGBTQ rights and equality. Um, And she wrote an awesome book called The List. It's in all caps. And pretty much what she did for the book is she compiled a week by week, you know, kind of a journal essentially of Trump's first year in office and what happened. So Mm -hmm. bouncing off of that, the one thing I would say that stands out the most to me that I think a lot of people have become desensitized to maybe or it's become normalized is how racist our president is and this surge of white nationalism and this surge of uh, bigotry that we saw especially around the time of Charlottesville do you remember how up in arms everyone was like during that time I do yeah and I had never seen anything like that in my lifetime and you know I don't really think that 
it's been necessarily forgotten about, but it's certainly not on everyone's front burners anymore. So um, I'm sure you saw this, but there was some back and forth on Twitter with Mr. Kanye West. It was a, it was a wild day on Twitter. It was wild, but nothing too wild for Americans anymore. No, I don't think there any, ever will be anything too wild for Americans anymore. No, I'm kind of ready for, for anything at this point, but there was some back and forth. Long story short... I won't call Kanye West erratic or mentally unstable because I know those labels are thrown around a lot. But I think his he he likes to sit in this pulpit of being a free thinker and not going with the status quo and not having a monolithic point of view. And I think he's actually and this is just my opinion, of course, I obviously don't have a narrative that would coincide with the narrative of someone, a person of color per se, but I think he's done such a disservice to equality and uh, civil rights by pretty much coming out publicly and saying, doing things like wearing a Make America Great Again hat and saying, you know, people shouldn't necessarily hate Trump. And I agree with that. I know hate is a, a hot button word. But what he's doing is he's creating this pocket of, of people, especially in the, the black community who look up to him, who are huge fans of his, and he's telling them, and I get his point, I've thought about it, it's this whole big brother ideal, right? So they, or state government, they want you to think of something and, and it stems from black people feeling victimized and oppressed in this history of slavery. And I think Kanye comes from this place of, you know, America and, and specifically Democrats and liberals have held on to this feeling of we're here to help you. We're here to harp on slavery and injustice so that we can use you as like, you know, votes, essentially. That's that's Kanye's vision of what Democrats and liberals do. So I think his stance was don't listen to that. Live in the present. Don't be a victim anymore. Don't worry about slavery because it's all about present and the future. And he's now creating this big cut up in in thoughts and in, in people's ways of thinking. And you know, I, I definitely understand he has a platform. He's completely free to use it. I just think that it's a shame because I can only imagine how many steps backwards that will take us. Um, yeah. In the in the grand scheme of things to me it's it's a, a lot of uh, and there's obviously a lot of people who were talking and putting their beliefs in other rappers and, and other uh affluent african-americans who were speaking there and one thing that I, I noticed some people saying was that they were talking about how well yes like chance the rapper made a great point where black people can be republicans but that doesn't mean that they can accept what that we as a society should accept still what Trump does. And there is the ability for you to be on both sides. But if you say that you agree with Trump and you support Trump, that means you're supporting everything that he's doing. And that is having a lot of negative and bad things that, that he does, a lot of racist things, a lot of harmful rhetoric. And by supporting that, even if you only agree with 10% of what he's saying, and that's why Kanye's coming forward and say, I agree with 10%. Well, I agree with 10% of what a lot of people say. It's You can't just cherry pick certain points. You have to look at it as a whole. Yeah, and he did mention that. I think he tweeted something out after his big tirade saying that his wife 
Kim Kardashian reached out to him to clarify that he does not agree with all of, of what Trump thinks. And he, he tweeted that verbatim. Here's the problem with that. That's fine. And have fun all day long telling people that black people don't have to be Democrats. Chance the Rapper said that. Here's my issue, and it's based on what you just said. If you're making a statement off of whatever tiny percentage of issues that you agree with in this current administration, why are you not speaking out 10 times more about the other 90% that you don't agree with? I haven't heard anything from him, except for in 2004 when he was on TV for Hurricane Katrina saying that George Bush doesn't care about black people. Definitely. I think that that is a great point. I wish we were seeing that more where a lot of people will come out and say what they support. But if you were able to support a part of Trump, but also say what you don't like about it, I think that would be a very constructive way to be able to look at this presidency that we see. Because there are always going to be a few things that he does that people do agree with. And, and in the end, he Trump might do one or two things that do have a positive impact. But he's also doing a lot of things that have a negative impact. And to have someone who could come forward and say, here's what I agree with and here's what I disagree with and why – that would be a very powerful way to use their platform. And it's just more effective. So like you and I forever on episodes and just in life, we have always said we're going to give credit where credit's due. Yes, you and I strongly disagree with this administration and we are very outspoken about it, but we're able to concede that you know we will give credit where it's due. So to your point, I think it is supremely more effective if Kanye would have come out, said whatever stuff he was going to say, and then followed that up with bigotry is not okay. Racism is not okay. What happened in Charlottesville is not okay. Calling, you know, certain countries shithole countries is not okay. You are offending. And I know if everyone on the right these days are saying that facts don't care about your feelings and blah, blah, blah. You, You can't do that as the leader of the free world. Right. It's gross. It's incompetent. It I could continue going with a string of words. I won't. I just think that Kanye really did everyone a disservice, um, specifically people of color. And again, I, I'm going to kind of tiptoe with that statement because I don't know if, if my opinion there holds a lot of weight since I'm not a person of color, just looking from a third-party perspective. Um, I wish he would do more with his platform to educate and inform rather than kind of share these lofty ideals. Exactly. Well, up next, we're going to be joined uh, by Stephen Bennett, who's going to come and talk to us a little bit about uh, his views on being a liberal who is also religious. Looking forward to it. This episode of Divided State Citizens is brought to you by Mother Nature. Thanks for making it a little bit warmer recently. Yeah, it's been it's been nice. I like the sun. (laughs) (laughs) I like the sun. (laughs) And now we are joined by Stephen Bennett, who is a cool dude, very active in politics and the community. So thank you for being with us, Stephen. Sure. No problem. Thank you for being designated cool dude. Yeah, um, I was gonna let that one slide for a minute. But. I mean, he—it's better than saying like not a cool dude. It was a tough title to get. It was really. He tough. did have to. Did work you have for to that. run against anyone to get the title of cool dude? No, it was just acclamation. Like everybody just knew. Yeah. So you're like born into the title. Uh, essentially, yeah. Okay. It's a very rough, rough process. Well, I'm glad we have hammered that out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thanks for being with us. I know we want to talk about uh, some interesting stuff. 
firstly, I know you are very involved, like I, I said, and, and I know you're really involved with with your church. So I didn't know if you want to tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, so I moved to New York now, I guess, almost four years ago. And, um, so I've been going to that ch- the church right here on 22nd Street for the past four years. I, became, uh, I joined the church council, which is just a governing body of the church, um, and served as the secretary uh, and then became president not this past uh, February, but the February before, and I was just reelected. Um, so it's great you get to see a whole different kind of perspective, and I believe I'm the youngest person on that on the, the church council. There could be someone else who might actually be like a year younger than me, and she just got on the council. But yeah, it's very... Different kind of process, different viewpoint. Love I'm it. sure she doesn't have the title of cool dude, though. She does not. Uh, that we know of. Yeah. That we know of. That is, that's fair. I don't know her background. She could be cool dude. Perhaps. Perfect. I think, <laughs> I think one thing that's really interesting to me is that you are a liberal churchgoer. That's not something that you hear of as much um, at all in the, in the news cycle. And, and I was wondering, can you just tell me a little bit about how you think that sort of the media has portrayed what it is to be someone of faith? Sure. So um, it is progressive Christianity is uh, like very interesting within America. It's something that I think more recently has come about as people talking about it. But at the end of the day, like your church may tilt slightly differently on, on the liberal conservative spectrum. And that could be for political reasons, that could be for theological reasons, but it's, I think at the end of the day, a, a personal thing. Um, but how it's portrayed in the media is that it's not really something that exists because a lot of, I don't think progressive Christianity has ever been very loud in any sort of um, way. Then again, you can say a lot of social activism, especially in the like 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and especially the 60s, like whether those people are conservative or socially li- like or liberal on their theology mm-hmm. versus their political actions can be completely different. So it sounds like there are a lot of labels that go into this. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think it's interesting because you have grown up as someone who's very close with, you know, their own religion. Um, how have you seen those labels kind of manifest? And what are your thoughts on, I guess, absolutism? Sure. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Everything is absolutely right. Yeah. Is there truth? Um, <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I didn't grow up going to church. I went, I was a two-timer, as most people call it, <laughs> go Easter, Christmas. Um, two-timer. I like yeah, that. two-timer. There's a lot of, I, there are a lot of weird church expressions about things like that. Some people, I was always told that I was like a two-timer because you go twice a year. I came to faith later in life um, during high school, actually, and then slowly it it grew over time. But labels are such a weird thing within the the church, just because there's there's such a wide spectrum of different of different views on like any number of topics. <laughs> Literally, any topic that exists within your within a faith background, there's going to be some sort of like argument or discussion. I mean, wars are fought over this kind of thing. Uh, All of Germany was a bloodbath for like decades while they tried to figure that out, which I guess is a little bit from from Martin Luther, but even before that, the Great Schism when the East and the West broke. And it's a, there's a whole lot of disagreement. Um, For those listening at home, you can Google those. Yes. (laughs) 
So yeah, in terms of absolutism, it's uh, I, I don't think that there's always has to be a, a right or wrong kind of mentality of how to practice faith. A lot of people would disagree with that and say that I'm preaching heresy for saying something like that. <laughs> but I've found in my own personal experience, you find a, a worship experience that connects with you, that makes sense to you, and that's great. And then you can discuss and figure out what other people think and believe, and as long as you don't attack the other person, then I think you're doing the Christian thing <laughs> of yeah. just talking with each other. Does that answer? It does. To me, I mean, I'm Jewish, but I'm only Jewish because I was born. You're just not a very religious person myself. Yeah, culturally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, as most New York Jews seem to be. <laughs> um, but I, I always think it's really interesting because to me, the, the concept and the philosophy behind like Christianity is not what you hear being practiced as much, where what sure. you just said is what I would envision Jesus' teachings being, but that's not what you see and not how people are performing. And I, I guess, yeah. what is your thoughts on all the people who, in for lack of a better word, have sort of hijacked religion? Whoa, Whoa. heavy. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, so I'm not solving <laughs> all of Christianity. Give us the answer. No, yeah, but, uh, but more just like, how, how do you think it impacts just the growth of the religion? Because I, I think a lot of young people see what oh, yeah. it has become. And these people who just become, as you said, they're the loud ones. Yeah, uh, man, there are so many issues in there. I uh, don't even know which one to pick out first. But first, we'll throw a little bit of, of context. So like mainline Protestant denominations of Christianity, so your, your Lutheranism, um, Episcopalian, um, Anglican, things like that, that are like large brand, uh, we'll say brand name churches. Those churches are typically... I've seen a, a decrease in membership over over the years. In, in, in America specifically, you've seen a lot of either um, atheist increase, agnostics increased, or just like, I don't know, um, <laughs> increase generally. And then um, the kind of uh, typical evangelical or born again, I, I believe, has been on a, on a steady uh, incline. So it's in terms of the difference of opinions, I don't think I'm actually answering your question but in terms of that it's there are a lot of differences I think your question is more about like youth and how that yeah, gets identified how like it's it seems at least for me for interacting with a lot of my friends that yeah. religion isn't something that appeals to yeah, a lot of youth because of either. how you see it being sort of portrayed whereas yeah. the way that you portray religion is much more appealing and friendly <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing how things become, like, appealing to people if it's just, like, friendly and loving. Um, right. <laughs> which I think is the overall message. Um, yep. <laughs> yep. I could agree with that. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, – there so there are so many different things. I think it's really difficult to talk about how – what's the proper way to raise kids in faith? If that's, that's kind of how I'm interpreting your question is – Wow. <laughs> How did we get there? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because a lot of people grow up, um, like I grew up in a very, uh, I'm from New Jersey and my town was like pretty much Italian and Irish Catholic. And you had everybody go to CCD every single night until eighth grade and then they graduated. And then the parents were like, all right, I'm done. I got them through and the kid, and everybody stops going to church. And it's like clear, it's like a thing you feel like you have to do and whatnot. And then people also say like, I don't know. I think the largest part of it is, is too much telling kids, one, you're going to church and you have to do this. And it's a very negative thing instead of like creating 
what I appreciate about my own church is that it would create a very loving environment for the, for, especially for kids to like participate and belong in the service. We're not intimidated. They all wear like the little white robes and uh, carry things in like candles and, and the cross and whatnot. They are part of the experience. So I think that helps um, appeal to, to kids, but then also just telling them, well, no, this is what the Bible says. And not allowing, and I think that's the biggest flaw, is not saying, well, let's talk about it. What does this mean? What does this say? Um, so that people can actually have an open dialogue and conversation about it. And I think it too often just gets shut down. And so people go, I don't believe any of this religious nonsense because what am I, like, what am I supposed to make of this? Like, it you're can't telling, be nuanced. Yeah, it can't. It, oh, it can't be. Yeah, oh, my. Yeah, <laughs> it can't be nuanced. Though, uh, there are so many weird parts of that because it's like, Especially with uh, people who view the the Bible fundamentally, saying it is what it says, and it's a rigid document. It is a rigid document. Uh, <laughs> it's just I, I disagree. I understand how you got there. I think you've taken uh, everything out of historical context. empathy. I like it. Yeah, you you still have to understand why they think that way, and be like, I one hundred percent think you're wrong, but. I understand how you got there and why you you're taking that. the effort to understand. Yeah, because it's you could e- you could easily see how somebody grew up in a uh, in a cultural tradition where they were told that this is the exact way and that no other way is allowed to deviate and how am I supposed to as a person of faith say no no, no you're wrong. This person's like completely wrong. How dare you? Because at the end of the day, I, I always love to cite this as the very like people always try to make Christianity look as though it was always very orderly. It was, there were so many problems right from the start because you had Peter and Paul um, <laughs> for, uh, if you don't have the, the background, Peter was in charge of like the Jerusalem part of, of uh, the early Jewish Christian offshoot. Um, and then Paul was the Gentile who got converted later on after, you know, stoning Stephen to death. Uh, my older brother always liked to make that joke because his name's Paul and mine's Stephen, so he stoned me oh, to wow. death. Uh, yeah, he always liked making that joke. He's like, I stoned you to death. I'm like, ah, that's great. In 2018, that's a good thing to do. <laughs> I, I know. Uh, there are not enough stonings. You know, yeah, there are just not enough stonings going on. <laughs> to bring it back. Yes, <laughs> to bring it back. So uh, those, they immediately fought on issues about, like, can Gentiles join the church? They have to be Jewish. And I always like to think the funniest conversation because I think religion's filled with a lot of jokes and people don't appreciate it because especially when you're reading scripture, it's like, and then God said like, Um, instead of realizing how often, like, especially in the gospels where Jesus is like, you guys are idiots. You're not getting what I'm trying to tell you. (laughs) He said all the time. He's like, no, 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 you don't, you don't know. You don't understand. And they're like, no, no, no. I think I got it this time. You could just see him if you read it like as instead of trying to put it as a heightened document and just read like what is it saying? It's like Jesus is like really frustrated that these guys are not understanding it. Um, but the, the whole point of this is the uh, Peter and Paul disagreed about circumcision. And so literally they had to have a conference where uh, the leader of the, essentially the Greek church and then the, the Israel church come together and they talk about it. And I think it's really funny that you have all these guys and all they're doing is talking about dicks. Like they're all in a room and being like, no, 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 they have to cut their dicks off. No, they don't. And like that was the biggest <laughs> argument in the first part of the church was like Some all these super guys. Gay. <laughs> dicks, a bunch of dudes. Okay. Got, got in a room and said like, do we let people uncircumcised into this church? 
because the whole that was like a huge thing. And then they're like, you know, we're gonna agree to disagree, but you're allowed Paul to go out and convert Gentiles. But like that was the first disagreement. It all started with dicks. It all started with dicks. Isn't everything? Henry, (laughs) no truer words have ever been spoken. Um, So that's really interesting because I think uh, just from talking to you outside of this podcast, there is a lot of like deep historical context that puts a lot of – it frames a lot of these issues a lot better. So one thing I found very interesting was, you know, back to the discussion of of religion and how politics can sometimes be misconstrued for theology. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of people, there's the argument of it's us versus them. Yes. Or it's me versus you when it comes to political issues. Um, and, you know, I know that you touched on like absolutism before and how things aren't viewed as on a spectrum. Uh, why is that a problem? And how does that, I guess, how is that an American thing? Sure. Um, so yeah, when I don't think that you can, I, I think you box people into it. I think it's a very simplistic thing that a lot of people uh, end up doing of saying, oh, let's, let's associate and say this person's here. Uh, and as we've kind of previously discussed, I think it's just lazy thinking by everyone of just saying, it is easier for me to not know you and have to understand the complexities of each person I meet to just be like, you are this person. You are, you know, tw- millennial works at a tech company, lives in New York City. I know who you are, right? It's just easier. It's like a ster- it's a psychological thing. Yeah, as well. yeah, and in a way, it is kind of a like a a stereotype. It just simplifies your thinking, and that's I think just your the laziness of your mind being like I don't want to have to deal with this kind of information right now. But in terms of why it's always been kind of a, an American thing, as American uh, in. In American history, we always like to put things into, into boxes. We always wanted to be able to say, this thing belongs here, this belongs here. Um, and I think you've really seen that over the past couple of years really happen in terms of polarization in the country where it's like, no, 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 this person is this and you are other. You are like not part of the real. And then all the stuff with... Uh, Cambridge Analytica and Facebook, I think all like everyone says, it just kind of heightened everybody's beliefs of saying, us, them, you are evil. It's like There's su- this it's other supporting world. evidence almost to like your your absolute um, like observation. So with these yeah. side these sideshows that are popping up, like Cambridge Analytica and yeah. any other thing that's happening in the news right now, it's almost like affirmation to your own opinion like oh no no no, i was right the first time because now this is popping up and it it feeds into my beliefs yeah and i just don't understand why you have to simplify your thinking i think it's a fact that people want to especially americans americans are always known as being the most confident look at any test exams and you'll see like maybe maybe the germans scored higher on them on a math exam however uh their confidence about it they'll be like oh like i I don't know. Well, Americans will not do as well, but definitely think they got it all right. Yeah. We're very confident. Um, that's the American way. That's, that's the American way. Like you're always confident until you, <laughs> like everyone's just so confident. Um, that's us. <laughs> we mask our insecurities. One, uh, that's a whole separate topic, but you don't have to mask your insecurities. That's like... Yeah. Stay oh. tuned for next episode. That's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. We break through all of our walls and show our insecurities out to everyone. Yep. I mean, that's a, for me, that's a huge part of, uh, of religion and faith. But um, 
I lost my chain of thought. What were we talking? We, well, at least you're confident yeah. about it, you know? Yeah, exactly. You're super it's, confident about losing your train of thought, <laughs> which I think is helpful. Yeah. It's it's accepting the fact that I don't know like everything about... Us versus them. Yeah, exactly. You. you don't have to always assume, like, us versus them, that I know everything about who you are and what you are. It's like, I can just accept the fact I do not understand everything and just be open to say, hi, like, I don't fully understand. What's your perspective on on that? Why do you think that? So let me give you a a real example so that we can tie it in with like the principle of it. So, you know, with religion tying into theology and, and, uh, politics coming into that people's views on homosexuality. Sure. Um, number one, why is that such a prominent issue that people go back and forth with, especially those who are people of faith? Yeah. And why, why are we so fundamentally wrong? Yeah. Um, so, uh, it's a, it's a doozy. I mean, if, um, you look at, especially recent church, church histories, they'll all have differing sides about this. Can you ordain somebody within that faith who is gay? Can you not? Um, and a lot of churches struggled with it, but, um, at the end of the day, when it comes to, to religion, I under, you have to like understand both uh, perspectives of it. One, like they're, it's citing a very specific part of Scripture within Leviticus about that, um, and so you can I can understand why somebody uses it and says like homosexuality is a sin. Okay, it's you've written it in Scripture, like it's there. I understand why you why you might think that way, um, and I. I get it, but at the same time, I just dis- I disagree. Even if you and I think that's kind of the nuance of it that people should be more open to is like I can hear and understand your opinion because that is there, and you're trying to take a very literal interpretation and say this is what it says. Cool. At the same time, the way that I view it is like that is so uh, dissonant with the teachings of Christ and Christ never ever mentions any sort of thing about that. When it says like, at the end of the day, there are two commandments, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And I don't see how like hating somebody is, is in any way a Christian belief. If it, if it, cause that disobeys loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. I can understand that opinion. And even if somebody views it as a sin, because I think that you can, at the end of the day, we're all, we're all sinners. Mm-hmm. That's the whole message is like, we're all this sinners. This one just stands out more than all the other ones. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it's, even if, if you it's consider listed, it a sin. Yeah, exactly. Even if it's listed as a sin and you can say like, well, I think it's a sin. I'm like, great. But is it any worse than your sins? If it is, you're putting yourself on this pedestal. And as we've kind of uh, mentioned before, it's like this hierarchy where you're saying, no, 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 my sins are not as bad as yours. So I am closer to God. What's really difficult for people to admit because it's this – and that's the whole thing. Is cri- the Christian message is very radical and people don't understand like how radical it is. If I'm saying your sins are no worse than mine, then that means we are all the worst sinners in the world. Every single person is the worst sinner because as soon as you start saying, well, I'm not as bad as this person, then you're saying, well, this person – I'm holier than this person. And you're creating a hierarchy to God. At the end of the day, that doesn't matter. Jesus saved us all, in my own opinion. Jesus saved us um, all. And so that was the sacrifice. If you want like a very logical argument, I could give you one about why that's the case. But 
why? Why do we try to say that you know someone else's sin is worse? Why? And, and at the end of the day, pointing a finger at somebody and saying, "Well, no, 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 you're worse than me." That makes you feel better, but how is that loving? I don't know. Like, why can't it? Like, even if something is a, a sin, that's that's where you love one another. Um, on in uh, the gospel, of, the gospel of John, that's. Uh, the, the Last Supper is, is called Maudi Thursday, which is when Jesus washes the disciples' uh, feet. And he says, like, I have washed your feet. Like, you must go out and do the same to the world. And this is how people will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. That is the only reason. So that was a standard. Yeah, that was a standard. My grandfather was a Lutheran minister, even though I only went to church twice a year as a kid. <laughs> um, but my, my mother told me that he never wore a cross. Um, and he said, I don't think I, like, uh, this was my understanding. I don't, he doesn't wear a cross because he's like, people shouldn't know that I'm a Christian because I'm wearing a cross. They should know because I love them. And like, I personally wear a cross, but I don't wear it externally. Like I just wear it internally. It's something that's for me. Right. Um, so I don't like, that's the thing is like, I don't, you don't need to be flashy and showy because at the end of the day, if you're a Christian, people will know because you love one another. And the hope, the hope in my mind in terms of evangelizing, which is not meaning evangelical in the sense of uh, born-again Christians that exists in America, but the idea of going out and preaching the good news is that hopefully at the end of the day, people are like, wow, man, you're so nice and you are so loving. Why? And they're like, well, have you heard the good news? Like that's, that's <laughs> literally, I mean, a little bit kind of like Book of Mormon of like <laughs> – that's, that's like the hope right. of everybody is like, oh, wow, you're so nice and so loving. What are you, what are you doing? What drug are you on? Because I want some of that. And you're like, well, it's a little thing called Jesus. Oh, you never <laughs> asked. Yeah. <laughs> like that's ultimately the hope of what the good news would be in my mind for spreading it to the world. I definitely would love if that was what it was the mainstream media was talking about religion the way that you <laughs> look at religion. Well, Stephen, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. This has been great and really uh, nice to hear your, your thoughts. Any sort of last parting uh, words you want to leave our listeners with? You know, just always be thoughtful. Don't try to box people into categories. At the end of the day, every person is a person. In my own mind, everybody's a child of God, and they're all worthy of God's love, and they're worthy of my love. You might not like them in the moment, uh, but at the same time, you should get to like know somebody and try to understand that person, or at least hear the other side of an argument. Not everyone is your enemy, because we're all in this together. You only have one shot at this. Might as well try to have a little bit less hate and a little bit more love in your life. What a great final statement. Jeez. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank right. you, Stephen. Thanks, cool dude. <laughs> At least I'm keeping that mantra. <laughs> this episode of Divided State Citizens is brought to you by a knock-knock joke. Uh, Michael, actually, can you can you start it for me? Sure. Knock-knock. Who's there? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Quack. And welcome to another segment of Positive Points. Points, 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 points. Henry loves that part. <laughs> I do. I really, I say this almost every episode, but I promise one day I'll figure out how to make a soundbite that does that for me. But until then... Positive points, <laughs> points, points, points. So not, I mean, there's good stuff if you really look hard enough, but I think we found like 
I think this is recently, the past week, actually, there's been bad news too, but there has been a lot of good news. Yeah, I think we're focusing on the good stuff, which is, which is a nice way to live. Yeah, it's a great way to live. Uh, one really big thing that you've probably been seeing all over the news is what's going on in the Korean Peninsula right now. So this is a very historic moment, just in, I guess, global history. Um, Kim Jong-un of North Korea and South Korea actually met. Uh, they met right at the border of both of the countries and they shook hands and they even held hands a little bit. It was all on TV. They hugged. They hugged. Um, Kim Jong-un brought the leader of South Korea, I believe his last name's Moon. His last name is Moon. Over to the north side and then and then the other way around. It was like a ceremonial, like you put your foot on my side, I'll put my foot on your side. Um, they'll do the hokey pokey and they'll turn themselves around. Must have happened when the camera shut off, but I think it's great news. Uh, this. This is a great indicator of world peace, and I sound like a beauty queen. That was a positive point. It's a positive point. It's always going to be a positive point. Credit, give credit when credit's due. Perfect. Well, I, my two have a positive point. This is one I'm sure everyone's also heard about. Uh, there recently was a shooting uh, at the waffle ha- at a Waffle House. That's not the positive point. That's not the positive point. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the bad part. The good part is that uh, James Shaw Jr was able to disarm and stop it before it got even worse uh, without a gun. And I think that it was great to have an actual shooting that was stopped by a good guy without a gun, who's then using this platform that he's gotten from this good deed uh, to raise money and help the victims. It's been fantastic to see the way that he's handled it, the way that he was able to act in the moment, do something that a lot of us say we would do, but who knows if you'd actually do it in the situation. Uh, He's not getting as much credit as he should from some people sitting in certain uh, oval-shaped offices. Uh, But he is getting credit from really our society and has did did an incredible service uh, and is really doing a great job raising over $100,000 for the victims uh, and also saving many people's lives. So that was a pretty positive point. It's big. Thank you, James Shaw Jr. Thank you. Well, that was another episode of Divided State Citizens. Thanks for listening. This has been Michael Weil. And I'm Henry Simon. And with that, the music will get louder.